um, and I was trying to think through my head, I mean, kind of knowing about what we give um, each year over the course of the last 10 years, um, it's probably in the neighborhood of 120 to $130,000 that we've given away um, at the end of the Advent time. Um, honestly, a lot of that money would have been spent on Christmas presents that you would have forgotten by now. <laughs> um, and so, can we give ourselves a round of applause? Just thank you for participating in that and joining us on that journey. Really um, fun. So, today I want to tell you a little bit about a ministry um, called World Vision. And the last couple of years, we've been participating in their um, endurance team. We've done this half and full marathon um, the last couple of years to raise money for their clean water initiatives. Um, so there's some lovely race photos back there on the table. If you look a little closely, you might see Pastor Bob um, running. But um, so people have joined in on that. Um, and then if you don't know much about World Vision, it was a, 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 a Christian ministry started about 1950. Um, just doing different kinds of, of aid um, to all kinds of people in, in all parts of the world. Now they're in 100 countries. Um, and so I get emails all the time from World Vision talking about different parts of the world that maybe have, have suffered some natural disasters or famine or disease and the ways that they're responding to that in those countries and inviting the church to be a part of that as well. Many years ago, probably about eight years ago, I, I read a book by the president of World Vision um, called The Hole in Our Gospel, um, a guy named Richard Stearns, who was the president at that time. Um, and this had, book had a huge impact on me um, in terms of how I think about the gospel and the things that, that Jesus called us into as his followers and how we live that out faithfully. So uh, if you're looking for something to read that might stir your soul a little bit, um, I would really recommend this book. It's called The Hole in Our Gospel. So um, last January... Um, I was invited because we were a church that kind of participated in, in, in the World Vision, you know, marathon stuff. I was invited with several hundreds of other pastors from around the country to be a part of their pastoral um, conference that they had. And there we learned about some different, um, different ways they engage. You know, the marathon, half marathon is one thing. But we learned about something that they do um, called the Matthew 25 Challenge. And that's what I want to share with you today. You got um, one of those little handouts. But before we dive into the specifics, I wanted you to just watch a couple of videos that maybe explain a little bit about it.
So you guys know that our, our mission here is to create a new normal for the next generation, right? So everything that we do, we're, we're trying to think in terms of um, what, is, what would this look like for this be, to be the new normal for your family if maybe it hasn't been in the past. And so one of the things that we have the opportunity to do is to kind of reframe or reshape um, what, what celebration, what, what Christmas means and how we participate in that with our families, right? The whole stream of our culture <laughs> is spending money and giving gifts and, um, you know, putting a value on um, how we celebrate um, in our world by consuming. And so for us to maybe paint a different picture of what that looks like to our, to our family is, is a huge opportunity that we have. So um, what I want you to do um, is take a look at this card that hopefully you got on your way in. Um, if you didn't, you can for sure, did anybody not get one that needs one? We've got some folks back there. Um, Lisa, could you hand some of these cards out if people have their hands up? Um, if anybody else can help her do that, that would be awesome. Um, and we can get those to you. Just keep your hands up and we'll, we'll get them your way. So what this is, is if you can just, um, let's look on th this page here. It kind of explains what this will look like each day. Okay, so each day of this next week, there will be like a specific challenge for you. Um, on Monday, um, tomorrow, it's going to be um, skipping lunch and then um, breaking that fast tomorrow night with rice and beans uh, for dinner with your families. Um, Tuesday, uh, to drink only water. So it's taking that passage in Matthew 25, each one of those little things, um, and separating it out into each day. So, um, so Wednesday would be sleeping on the floor. Um, and then Thursday and Friday, you wear uh, the same clothes two days in a row, or actually Wednesday and Thursday. Um, so there's some interesting challenges that might bring about some great conversations with your kids about what the reality is for people in other parts of the world um, and some in our own country as well. Um, and so each one of these days, so what you want to do on the flip side here um, to start this, and I did this this morning, you're going to text M25 to the number 44888. That's what you'll put in the, the phone number line. When you do that, they'll send you a message saying, when are you starting it? Um, and they'll have options December 2nd, December 9th. So you'll click A, which is tomorrow. And then they also have a link in there that um, if you want, the, there's some additional activities you can do with your family, like bonus family activities. They'll email that to you. Um, so some ways in which you can engage your family further. They'll send you just different texts throughout the week to just kind of with some stories and to try to just encourage you to stay engaged and involved in this. Um, and then next Sunday, we're going to tell you a little bit about kind of a follow-up step of how we can take this um, even further. Um, so that's what um, I'll be doing this week. Uh, if anybody wants to come and have a slumber party on my floor on Wednesday night, you're welcome to come. And um, some of you, you know, you might have already been thinking, like, you know, kind of how to cheat a little bit, right? Can we put a mat down? Can we put an air mattress? What does this look like, you know? How holy do I really need to be? So I'm just going to leave that up between you and God, okay? So um, anyways, but that's just a, a great opportunity we have to participate in that challenge this week. So, um, so we're going to be continuing on in our series um, uh, that we've been doing for quite a while called God a Stranger and really kind of just dovetailing it into this whole um, Christmas narrative. So um, the last biblical character that we looked at in the Old Testament last week, we looked at um, the prophet Ezekiel. And if you remember about the year 600 BC, we said that the Babylonians had come in and had conquered Israel and they had taken many of the Jews into exile back to Babylon several hundred miles away. 
And during that time when those exiles were away, they went in and they um, burned and destroyed Jerusalem to the ground, including the temple, which was like the, the center, the headquarters of Jewish religious life. We talked about that it was just a devastating season in, in the life of the nation of Israel. About 60 years later, the Persians conquered the Babylonians. And so there was a king named King Cyrus that began to allow the Jewish exiles to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their city, slowly rebuild the temple and the walls around the city. That's when you, if you read in your Bibles, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah kind of talk about those and what that experience was like. And then the last prophet that you would read in the Old Testament was the prophet Malachi, is the last book, and that took place about 400 BC. And then for the next 400 years, there's kind of radio silence from God um, in terms of him speaking any new words to the nation of Israel historically at, during that time, it was the time when the Greeks then came in and conquered the Persians. So you had Alexander the Great and all that, and, and the, the Jews were subjects of the Greeks. And then after that, the Romans came in, which is kind of where we find ourselves as we head into our time this morning. So this again was a season in the history of the nation of Israel where it seemed like God was nowhere to be found, like he had kind of disappeared and become a stranger to the Israelites. And when God does return, as we all know, he, he returns in a very unexpected form. He came as a baby, Jesus. And I'm excited because in that video, you guys got, got to actually see Krish Kandaya, who wrote this book, um, was one of the, the guys that spoke in that story. So um, I'm going to read with you just a quote that he has about this time in their history. He says, will God be recognized? Will he be welcomed? God turns up in the midst of military occupation, poverty, and oppression. Despite 400 years of silence since the feeble return of God's people from a generation in exile, 600 years of almost continual occupation of Palestine, finally God declares himself present. God is no longer a stranger. God is not far away. God is not detached. God is not unconcerned. God has not rejected his suffering people. God is not disassociated from those who are troubled. He stands with them in solidarity. But the story of God coming in the flesh, which we call the incarnation, doesn't really necessarily start with the birth of Jesus. It really, in some ways, kind of starts with the faith of his teenage mother, Mary. Martin Luther said this, No one can preach Christ without speaking of his mother. This virgin had a faith of which there is no equal in the entire Bible. So with the choosing of Mary and Joseph as Christ's parents, um, God continues this habit we've been talking about of choosing the unexpected or the least expected when they least expect it, okay? And we're going to reacquaint ourselves with the story. I'm going to read for you this morning. I'm reading from a different version than what's, what's in your Bibles, um, so you can just listen, you can close your eyes if you want to, but we're going to take a look again at, at the, the birth of Jesus and how it was announced and received by Mary. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, 
and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So can we just take a moment and just kind of list off all of the strange things that happened in that encounter? What was strange about that? Just give me one thing. Yes. An angel appeared. Yes. Doesn't happen all the time. What else? You have a question? Are you just doing the visual demonstration? (laughs) Yes. There you go. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, Gary. Yeah, just this crazy, out of nowhere message, right? You're going to be the mom of the Son of God. Like, yeah, nobody saw that coming, right? What else? Yes. Yeah, that she doesn't go off. Maybe I should ask my dad. Or maybe make check with Joseph, make sure this is going to be okay. She just responds, right? Yeah, that's, that's strange for sure. What else? Yes. A virgin birth. Yes, very strange, right? For sure. And then even the explanation is kind of like overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Even that God was going to be flesh, right? The Old Testament, you guys, we have to always remember this in context. In the Old Testament, God said, you can't even look at me (laughs) and live. And now you're going to put flesh on and become a child that somebody's going to carry in their body? I mean, that is strange, weird, okay? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit is kind of this awkward you know third party in the old testament very few times appears and shows up in the story and now the holy spirit plays a central role in this verse so yeah that's a great observation anything else that's good stuff guys it's the point is is it's strange all around okay and i can only imagine and this is just strictly speculation okay but kind of based on kind of Sarah's response about Mary's response, um, I can only imagine that Mary was a person, uh, a young person, who had been kind of preparing for this moment, not knowing that this was the moment that was going to happen, but just preparing herself by immersing herself in Scripture, in prayer, in community, with family and friends of faith, You can kind of see that she already possessed this posture of a servant. There was a readiness about her, a readiness to respond quickly that we can learn from. When God shows up in unexpected ways with 
unexpected request. Have we been doing the good work to prepare our own souls to respond in obedience? You know, when I get up in the morning and I choose to spend time in God's word and in prayer, or maybe worship or whatever it is, ways that I'm connecting with God, I don't do it just because um, he's worthy of it, which he is, <laughs> or, um, you know, because um, I, I want to make sure that I'm focusing on, on all that, um, you know, showing him that my time is worth his, uh, that effort, or that my, I want to make sure that my affections are completely focused on him. Like, those are all good reasons to do it, okay? But also, I want to I spend time with him as a means to prepare my heart for whatever challenges or opportunities might come my way that day, that I might respond in obedience, whatever that call is. Just a few minutes ago, we sang the song called The Magnificat, right? It's a song Mary sang in the presence of her pregnant cousin, Elizabeth, who's got this miraculous birth story as well. And in it, she talks about the majesty of God, that he's shown mercy on the wayward people of Israel. She says that he has cast scattered the proud and lifted up the humble like her and her husband to be Joseph. And finally, she says that he has prepared for the hungry, he has provided for the hungry with his presence. Jesus would go on to use that metaphor at many different times during his ministry. He just got a couple of examples of, of times when he would kind of hearken back to this. Matthew, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And in John 6.35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And with the miraculous virgin birth, what follows is several examples of hospitality, of welcoming the stranger. So first of all, Mary welcomes the king of kings in the form of this dependent, helpless infant. And the fact that God allows himself to take the position of need to a teenage girl is staggering. The strange God certainly flips the script of divinity and humanity upside down. And for his part, Joseph, Joseph adopts his son, Jesus, who he knows is not his biological child. He welcomes Jesus, knowing the strange and, and seemingly scandalous narrative and the rumors about his conception surrounding his birth. He welcomes him at a time when he probably was not fully financially ready for a child and for that responsibility. He and Mary were, were definitely poor. And so it's no wonder that Jesus' ministry is, is marked um, immediately by identifying with the impoverished, with the illegitimate, with the marginalized population. See, Jesus was welcomed by his parents, despite the strange circumstances of his conception in a way that he would never have to experience a sense of abandonment, a lack of attachment, which was certainly a gift for him. And the examples of welcome and hospitality keep coming. Who were the first visitors to welcome this, this newborn divine infant? Who was the first on the scene? 
the shepherds, right? Strangers, that they didn't know these people. I mean, and, and the shepherds, y'all, were, were dirty, wandering, stinky, kind of lowly nobodies. And Christ is at home with the stranger. And Joseph and Mary provide hospitality in the most awkward moment, like right after giving birth. Let's see a show of hands, ladies out there. How many of you would love to welcome some dirty, stinky strangers to your delivery room right after you've given birth at the hospital? Can I see a show of hands? Anybody? Nobody? Yeah. Haley, yeah, sure, yeah. Call me back in 10 years. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> right? Right? It's just, it's crazy to think about sharing that moment with, with strangers. They didn't have food or drink to offer these strangers when they came, which was kind of the tradition, right, of providing hospitality, which is a great reminder that Christ himself was the food and drink that these strangers desired, his long-awaited presence satisfying their longing souls. And the fact that Mary welcomed these strangers, these shepherds, and then later um, welcomed the Magi who came and visited a couple years later, who again were people dudes from the east, they didn't know who these people were, should come as no surprise to us. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 2.19, about you and I. He says this, he says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You see, we were once strangers. And even beyond that, the scripture tells us that we were once enemies of God. But through Christ, we were welcomed into his household. And so likewise, we are to welcome strangers, to make room to share the blessings of God with others. And so I want to ask you guys this morning, how are, how are you doing, how are we doing at that on a very practical level? Because it's one thing for us, for me to stay, say this morning, you know, we should welcome the stranger and, and give, give some examples of how Mary did that, blah, blah, blah. It's another thing for us to really boil it down to very practical terms of how are we doing that. Okay, so we've, we've talked about some specific ways here in the last few weeks about that can, how that can be done. For some of you, welcoming the stranger through adoption, fostering is something that, that you've done or you've surrounded people that have done that. Okay, so that's a very tangible way, obviously. Um, to bring somebody into your home who was a stranger to you just moments before that, okay? But let's just even talk about right now on Sunday morning, right? How many of you come into this sanctuary on Sunday mornings with your radar up for the stranger? Or how many of you are, like I can be sometimes, really just kind of more concerned about getting your favorite seat on your favorite pew with the people you kind of like to sit with and maybe just kind of assume oh somebody else out there will will welcome somebody that comes to church today maybe there's a stranger here that you know you could ask out to lunch or just even just ask their name let's start there <laughs> who are you how'd you get here <laughs> you know how'd you hear about wellspring uh tell me about yourself See, there's some very practical things. And you, and you just get outside of, of this place and you go out into the world. How do you do it? Introducing yourself to the stranger at work, the new employee, 
the new student in class, the new kid on your team, purposely going to serve in parts of town that you don't normally hang out in. Because guys, what I'm talking about here this morning is, is a posture thing, okay? It's a posture thing. And here's the question behind it, is do our habits and rhythms move us towards the stranger or away from them? I want you to really think about that question. Do your habits and rhythms move you towards strangers or away from them? Because God moved toward us when we were strangers. As a kid that didn't go to church growing up, he didn't wait for me to go to church to introduce himself. He sent people to come find me. Right? I was a stranger to some people who came and loved me and shared Christ with me. Mary was called to make room in her life, in her body, to carry the Christ child. You want to talk about a very personal invitation. <laughs> Things got real for her, right? It wasn't just like, hey, Jesus is, um, we're going to hand you the baby Jesus and you're going to be the mom. No, it's like he's going to be in you. Okay? And we are called to do the very same thing. We are called to be hosts of the Most High. Right? God has created this model where our bodies, Scripture says, become homes or temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's a very personal thing. We say yes, just like Mary knowing that his presence in our life, like it did for her, caused untold blessings, but also untold troubles as well. Because she had to be the mother of a child who ended up being killed, right? Just like we have this Jesus in us that's, that goes into this world and says there will be trouble in this world. I will be opposed. And because we associate ourselves with Christ, our world becomes troubled as well. Jesus, in Matthew 25, which is a lot of the video and the focus for our, our activity this week, there's this parable of the sheep and goats. You guys are probably familiar with it. It's a parable Jesus tells about how he's going to separate um, on judgment day the, the sheeps to one side, the goats on the other, right? And Jesus says to his faithful followers on judgment day, the sheep, one of the things he says to them is, I was a stranger and you invited me in. which means the opposite is also true to the goats. Hey, I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. Isn't that what Mary did? She became the mother of a stranger. She welcomed in a child. She made room in her life. Guys, I want you to hear this. The welcoming of strangers seems to be the mark of the character of Christ. And those who follow him. I want to say that again. The welcoming of strangers seems to be a mark of the character of Christ and those who claim to be his followers. So, will we prepare our hearts like Mary did, follow her example of preparing our hearts for those God may bring our way? 
readying ourselves for service so we don't have to think about it, <laughs> but we just respond and welcome strangers as God welcomed us. And so in a very practical sense for 2019, the month of December, right, I have a, an invitation for you, a challenge that each morning when you get up and you spend time with God, you pray that you might ask him, say, God, could you prepare my heart? Could you ready me for the stranger that you might bring across my path or the stranger that you want me to go and pursue so that when that opportunity arises that I will step into that challenge to just be a loving presence with that person. Whatever it is you want to do with that is up to him, <laughs> right? I talk to strangers all the time. I'm one of those people, right? I'll start talking to the person in line at the store. Um, it's amazing, the checkout person um, at Hy-Vee, which is where I go, you know, not to knock on anybody else, but, you know, it's a helpful smile in every aisle, and I like that, all right? <laughs> so, you know, they'll ask me, how are you today? You know, and I'll say, hey, I'm doing good, or, ah, you know, things kind of suck, or whatever it might be, Right? But then I'll always say, well, how are you doing? You know, it's amazing how much those people will talk when asked. <laughs> and you'll have this conversation, which is nice. And maybe you get to know them and you come back and you meet them again and you, and you strike up a friendship. And, um, you know, when I came in this morning, um, and guys, this is another challenge. Like, I, I, I come, obviously, I'm here early on Sunday mornings, <laughs> you know, turning on the lights, the heat, all that good stuff. But I make myself available before the service. I'm wandering around getting to know people that come in the door, introducing myself, making sure they feel welcome. I'm not hiding out in my office in the back until 10.30 arrives and I come through the magic curtain to come and do my thing, right? Guys, visitors show up early. So if you're just kind of getting here on time or kind of late, you're probably not meeting anybody. And guess what else visitors do? They leave quickly unless somebody talks to them. And so when service is over and you immediately just turn to the people next to you, you've already been sitting by the whole service anyways, and you don't engage the stranger around you, they're going to be gone. Maybe they never come back in this door again. And so when we talk about habits or rhythms that either move us towards the stranger or away from them, let's start right here. How do we operate here on a Sunday morning? Are there some habits and rhythms that you need to change so that a stranger might get to know you and you them? And get to know God, hopefully. You know, but think about how you go about your life. Do the things that you do, the, the safety and security of how you've constructed yourself, the comfort, keep you kind of isolated from those who might need to know Christ? Or do you move towards them? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mary's example today of just somebody who obviously had... Um, this posture through these encounters that she had with you. We can only assume her family were, were devout Jews that, that absorbed the word as it was read in the synagogue each Sunday, that, that prayed and, and showed hospitality and care for the, the poor and the needy in their community, that, that that was the normal to Mary. And so, God, when you came even with a really bizarre and strange request, it didn't take her long to respond and say yes, to believe that, God, nothing's impossible with you. And part of that, believing that, is, is also to believe, God, however we see ourselves as insignificant or I'm kind of shy or introverted, I could never be as outgoing as so-and-so, 
Lord, you can do anything you want with us. Our job is not to limit ourselves based on our view of ourselves. Our job is to, is to be ready and to be prepared for whatever it is you want to do with us. And so, God, I pray that this month, this, this Christmas season, we could become more um, in touch with what it means to welcome the stranger as we were welcomed by you. So thank you for making room for me and for each one of us, that you weren't too busy, you weren't too preoccupied with the cool people in heaven <laughs> to have time for little old me in St. Joe, that, God, you love everyone the same. And so, Lord, help us to have eyes that are open, hearts that are ready uh, to begin operating and moving in new ways. God, because you want to show us and teach us so much more um, than we can do when we try to control life on our own. We need to open ourselves up. So I pray you would do that in our hearts. I especially pray, God, for this week as we go through this Matthew 25 challenge as well, God, that you would um, just expand our view of what's going on in this world and how we can participate in, in sharing the love of Christ with people. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.